The uh, reading for today is taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. You can find it on page 1000 in the Red Bibles. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I had thought about using the pulpit today because I thought this is like the, 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 the peak of the liturgical calendar, so you have to take the sermon to the next level. But you know that I like to wander around and when I practiced up there I felt too constrained so uh, I'll preach as I normally do down here. But this is the day where we reflect on the resurrection. Actually every Sunday we reflect on the resurrection but today I want to unpack it a little bit more. So let me pray for us as we unpack this great teaching of the church. Well, gracious God, we praise and thank you for your son, Jesus, for his life, death and resurrection that we've celebrated this Easter weekend. And Lord, as we understand the foundation of our faith today, may your Holy Spirit be moving among us. May your Holy Spirit be illuminating this uh, concept for us so it doesn't become just a theoretical concept or a theological concept or an intellectual concept, but it becomes the fuel for our faith, the cause of our hope, and the thing that sends us out on mission to share the good news. And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I think if you think through all of history, you'll know that there are some great thinkers throughout history. Some people who, though they've died, their thoughts still linger today. We might not have ever met Plato or Aristotle you might not know anything about them, but their thoughts linger on today. And in many ways, there's some great speech writers, some great authors throughout church history whose thoughts linger on today. But all of them died. And Jesus comes along as somebody that has some great wisdom to offer the world some great teaching to offer the world. And when the crowds listened to Jesus, they said, 
Who is this? He teaches with such authority. But the reality is that Jesus, like every other person in history, if he had taught this amazing wisdom and then died and that was it, then like every other person in history, he would just be a wise person that offered wise advice. The resurrection changes the wise advice, the good advice of Jesus into good news. Because it's the resurrection that changes everything and it gives new perspective to everything that Jesus taught. Because the resurrection is the foundation of our faith. Jesus lived like many great people in history. But at his death, if that was it, he would just be relegated to the books of history. Instead, the resurrection means that Jesus is alive. He is with us and his teaching took on a whole new meaning. Jesus, at the resurrection, takes the cross, the climax of his whole journey here on earth, and gives it new meaning. The, the cross is an important theological point, but without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. So, in the past, whenever you've heard the church talk about we preach Christ crucified, remember that it's, it's code for the resurrection. Realistically, it probably might have been better for our contemporary world if the symbol for our faith was actually the empty tomb, but the cross is a, a much more easy to create symbol. And so the cross becomes a symbol of the church, the symbol of our faith, but remember, if it's not for the empty tomb, the cross is meaningless. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, then everything that he said about himself actually Whilst it could be seen as good advice, it could also be seen as fraudulent. Because on three occasions, just in Matthew's Gospel, he said that one day he would have to go to Jerusalem, suffer, die, and then on the third day he would rise from the dead. So if he didn't rise from the dead as he predicted, then his announcements that he was the Messiah, the Christ, could also be held up for criticism. And so the resurrection not only confirms who Jesus is, that He is the Son of God, He is the Messiah, that He is who He said He was, but it also gives us three great things. In the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples would go out from Jerusalem after Jesus had risen from the dead to start the mission that we call the church. And so, the resurrection not only confirms the truth about Jesus, it solves a problem, it, it gives us hope, and it sends us out. You see, there is a problem with death, there is a problem with sin. And as I said on Good Friday, the, 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 the Jews had this Day of Atonement where every year, all of the sins of Israel would be put onto a scapegoat and another goat would be sacrificed so that the sins of Israel would be forgiven. But it was a problem. They had to do it every year. And 
Jesus comes along to solve that problem, to solve the problem of this annual uh, need for repentance. He makes a one perfect, sufficient sacrifice on the cross for the sins of all of the world for all time. So we don't need to re-crucify Jesus every year. His crucifixion on the cross makes an atoning sacrifice for all time. But it also solves the problem of evil in the world. And, and theologians have a phrase, because I know, I know evangelicals can be really good at, at atonement, but Good Friday and the resurrection also solves the problem of evil, a term that theologians call Christus Victor. Because it solves the problem of evil, because evil, which here is represented by the religious leaders who wanted to get rid of Jesus because he claimed to be the Messiah and that would rob them of their power and influence, but also it represented by the Roman Empire who wanted to crush this Jewish potential uprising. And see, in evil and tyranny and force, the way to win is more strength. The way to win is to kill. The way to win is terror. And Jesus actually doesn't fight evil with more evil. He doesn't fight with more tyranny. He doesn't fight with more strength. He doesn't fight with uh, being invincible in the face of death. No, Jesus solves the problem of evil by taking on weakness. He solves the problem of sin and death by facing death and saying, death won't hold me down. Death won't conquer me. The end of the story is not death because the resurrection is coming, a new day is coming. There's a great cartoon by Michael Lunig and it's the Romans looking at the crucifixion and saying, that's the way you solve the problem. Kill the leader and you nip the whole movement in the bud. You see, the Romans thought that they were finishing Jesus and Jesus was only getting started. The religious leaders thought they were finishing Jesus and Jesus was only getting started. The devil himself, who had tempted Jesus 40 days earlier and had lost, thought, I know what will solve the problem of Jesus. If I kill Jesus, that will disarm his followers and that will be the end of the movement. And Jesus conquers death and therefore conquers evil, conquers sin. And so the problem of evil is conquered by the resurrection. And so the, re the second thing is that the resurrection actually gives us hope. You see, the resurrection restored the hope of the disciples. There's, there's not really that much we can understand about Holy Saturday, or what we call Holy Saturday, the day between the, 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 the death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. But the road to Emmaus, which Helena is going to unpack next Sunday night, it, it gives us an insight of how the disciples were feeling because it says, we hoped that he would be the one, but he's being killed. The disciples had, had started to turn hopeless on the Saturday. And the resurrection restores their hope. The, the disciples aren't sitting there and going at the resurrection, they're not sitting there and going, great, now we have a solid theological understanding of atonement. No, when they see that Jesus has risen from the dead, their hope is restored. 
they're feeling as though what Jesus had said about himself is true and therefore I have hope in the world. The resurrection restores hope and not just hope as kind of wishful thinking but a certainty. You see, the, the, the translation, a bit like when we translate the word love, it means multiple things. I mean, I can love the coffee that they made me in the cafe this morning and I can love my family. And we can sort of say, I, I hope that the Swans will win next week and I hope in the resurrection. I hope you are saying that the hope that you have in the resurrection is a certainty. It, it's not a wishful thinking. It's not a sense of, I, I, I'm, I'm dreaming that one day I'll be fully restored like Jesus was fully restored. No, the hope of the resurrection is a certainty that your faith in Jesus will in, mean that you will receive that inheritance. Just as Jesus receives a new body, he's not a ghost, as he receives a new body, we too one day will receive a new body. Just as Jesus was not just a, a, a sort of a weakened version of himself like he'd been in a coma and woke up from a, a coma. No, he was fully restored and just three days after he had been crucified on the cross that led to his death, he's able to walk several miles with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He is fully healed and given a new body and that's the hope that we have too. The resurrection occurs on the first day of the week because it's a sign that it's a new beginning, the sign that it's a new creation, that the glorious hope that the resurrection gives us is that there'll be a new creation. All things will be transformed, all things will be renewed. In, in the Jewish understanding, they thought that there was a, a, a linear time that would take place until the day the Messiah arrived. And then from the day that the Messiah arrived, there would be the day to come or the new day. And Tim Keller, a, a, a pastor and theologian, kind of says, the Jews thought it would be like this, that one would cease and the new would begin. But what we actually have is a crossover. We live in the now and not yet. We have a partial hope of the renewal of all things, but we also see decay in the world, don't we? We don't see the full realisation of the kingdom in the age to come. And so we, we have hope to pray for someone who's sick to be healed because Jesus gives us hope through the resurrection. But we don't always see everyone healed until the second coming of Jesus. And so we live in this now and not yet. But my encouragement to you is don't let that tarnish your hope. It is a certainty of hope. And it is a certainty that you'll spend eternal life with Jesus and that the renewal of all things will take place with certainty. But in the now and not yet, let's not be people of despair. Let's be people of hope. If we are a resurrected people, because we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when I did a funeral last week, I said that Jennifer, who had been baptised with Christ, sharing in that death with Christ would receive the resurrection with Christ. And so if we've been baptised, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we need to live as resurrected people now, not just waiting for our eternal hope. We need to be hopeful of the transformation of all things in our day. And that's the fuel for our prayer. 
if we didn't have the hope of the resurrection, we probably wouldn't be able to pray because we wouldn't be praying that God's kingdom would break into our world as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And so the resurrection is a future hope, it is about eternal life, but it's not just something that's a ticket to heaven and happens after we die. The resurrection brings us hope in this life. The resurrection is about the kingdom of God breaking into our world right here and right now. It's about the transformation of all things. And therefore, the third point is that the resurrection sends us out. The idea of the resurrection is such good news that people call it the greatest story ever told. I really can't imagine, I can't imagine doing life by myself. I can't imagine doing life in a very atheist, secular worldview. I I can't imagine being beholden to the false lies and traps of the self-help industry, that somehow I would have everything inside myself to face everything I need to do, and that somehow if I just work hard enough, I can achieve anything I want to achieve. Because I don't know about you, but I I look inside myself and and I find myself wanting I find myself not having the things that I need to. I I, I sometimes don't understand the scriptures like I I feel I need to, to stand in front of you to preach. I I sometimes feel that there are things in my life that, you know, I, I can't achieve. But the hope of the resurrection means that I'm not trusting in myself and my own skills and ability. I'm trusting in Jesus who transforms me. And because Jesus has transformed me, when I go out and share the good news, I'm not sharing the good news of look how good I am and look how I've fixed myself up and how you could fix yourself up too. I'm sharing the good news that Jesus transformed me, a sinner, and has given me hope and given me peace and given me joy And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can receive that peace, hope and joy. As we go out on mission, the Great Commission, it's not about sharing us, it's sharing what Jesus has done for us. We share Jesus. That's why I know in previous generations they said we preach Christ and Christ crucified. But I think in a generation that probably don't understand that language, sharing the good news of the resurrection, which again is a hard language for people to understand, we need to be people who are sent out on mission. The resurrection transforms the work of the church. It means that the church cares for the world. It means that the church cares for the poor. It means that the church feeds the hungry. It cares for the sick. It heals those people who need healing. It prays for those people who need prayer. The good news of the church is that it offers hope to the world in the here and now. It helps people to understand the cross, understand the resurrection, and it helps the world understand the teaching of Jesus. But sometimes the church has maybe got it slightly wrong. And it's it's said that really we, we preach the gospel in order that people would have the assurance of eternal life. And that's true. 
but it's forgotten the transformation of all things now. So there are some people who, who kind of think, well, well, they're a Christian because they preach the gospel, which is all about eternal life. And, and it's good if you add on to it doing social justice. But social justice is not an add-on to the gospel. Social justice is what happens when the resurrection transforms all things. Compassion is not an add-on to the gospel. It's not a good thing that we could get around to if we had spare time. No, the resurrection is something that leads to our compassion for those who need it. Truth is not an add-on to the gospel. Truth is a part of the resurrection. We can't just share the good news of Jesus without speaking the truth to people. But if we speak truth to people, we also need to offer them grace because that's what the resurrection is about as well. Love, grace and mercy are not add-ons to the gospel. The resurrection means that we love, offer grace and share the mercy of God with people. The church really should be known as the best of everything. It should be known as the best of everything because of the resurrection transforms everything. The church should have the best leaders, the most caring people, the most accepting members of our society. It should be the most welcoming organisation. Because of what the good news of the resurrection announces, the church should be an amazing community of people who live transformed by the resurrection. But this week has been a reminder to me of how our church, St Columns, is getting this right. I have a desire for our church to grow and, and in many ways growth is, is, is multi-dimensional. My, my heart is that more people would come to know Jesus and so we can sometimes think of growth numerically. But what I've seen this week is that we've grown in a very, very important factor as a church and that's the way that we love people. St Paul said there is faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is love. This week has been a witness to me of how we as a church have grown in our love for one another and for those in our community. We have grown in our capacity to love. We've grown in our capacity to be a loving community so that we don't just love each other but we love for those who we, we embrace, who come onto the property who we encounter as we go out from here. This week, that we um, farewelled Elsa from uh, the playgroup as she uh, finishes up in volunteering there because of a, of a health reason. Um, it's just getting harder and harder for do to, to, um, to be a volunteer at the playgroup. But you can tell that everybody in the playgroup felt loved by her, felt loved by all of the volunteers. And there was a sense it was a sad occasion, but in, in a way, it's, a, it's, it's a, a great marker of how we are a loving community. The girls who come to our youth group on a Friday night with Jessica, I think they come because they feel loved. They mightn't articulate it like that. Teenagers don't often say that they feel loved. But I think that's why they keep coming. I think people came to church on Good Friday because people who they love invited them and they felt a loving embrace here. There were two uh, 
young families who came and sat on the lawn on Good Friday. And they sat on the lawn because on Christmas Day, they felt loved when they came here. And they were looking for something to do on Good Friday. And I thought, that church, that'll be a community that will embrace us. So do people feel more loved by us? I think they do. And I think they do because it's a sign of the resurrection. It's a sign that we have been transformed. And so we we don't necessarily want to give people a a theology of atonement. If people want to understand that, we'll we'll teach that. We'll teach truth. If if people want to understand how Jesus has conquered evil through Christus Victor, we can teach that as well. But I never want to be a church that's going to bang people over the head with doctrine and yet leave our church unloved. If we're people of the resurrection, then when people come into our church, they'll hear truth, they'll experience grace, and they'll receive the love that God has for us as we love our community. So this Easter, remember that the resurrection confirms that Jesus has conquered death and sin. Remember that the resurrection gives us true hope, a certain hope. And that the resurrection sends us out to share the love of God with the people in our sphere of influence. This is the good news that we share. This is the hope of the resurrection. Amen.